Um, so first, there's somebody who has lactose intolerance, um, and I just see that irritation in the stomach going away, and uh, I see them enjoying a strawberry milkshake for some reason. Somebody might uh, like that. I hate strawberry milkshakes, so I know that one wasn't me. Um, on a more serious note, someone online specifically has lost their daughter. Um, she's young with blonde hair. Um, I just was seeing your heart surrounded by God's peace, knowing that she's safe in God's arms. So sorry for you. Um, osteoarthritis. There's somebody with osteoarthritis in their, I think their left hip. I had to look up osteoarthritis to see if it was a thing. Um, and so I just actually saw you um, making a layup playing basketball. So... Um, and then there's a girl, uh, I don't know if she's here or online, who s simply threw out there that she um, needs confirmation that God hears her. I didn't hear anything else but that. Uh, so he does. There's, there's your confirmation. So now you've got to start dreaming because that worked. So do more with what you are thinking inside. So that's it. Cool. Thank you. And uh, you know what's cool, guys? Just testimony. Every time she does that, like somebody always responds. And uh, it's legit. So if that's you, just pay attention because your freedom's there for you. It's free. Oh. Tomorrow night, guys, um, on the Sunday Night Fellowship, for guys online, it's, it's uh, every Sunday and Wednesday, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern, um, at freedomministries.live, and it auto-connects to Zoom. And the password's always freedom, lowercase. So, but um, remember the, uh, the India bricklayer kids that we that we sponsored last week. So we're doing that again. And, and uh, um, Tim Stewart is going to be on tomorrow night and talk about it. So I've got some pictures. I'll, I'll put a Facebook post and an email out too. So, um, so here's, in short, here's what happens. So in, in, in northern India, they've, they've connected with this, this group that goes in there. And um, these Indians, unsuspecting if they're in debt or whatever, they go in and they go, hey, you know, we'll hire you and pay off all your debts, etc. And then it's such usury that the, the, uh, they're stuck for generations. Like they have kids and they have kids and they have kids. And starting at five, they just make bricks all day. They literally never leave the brick compound their whole life. And so they can't ever get out of debt. It's an interesting thing. So these guys came up with an ingenious uh, thing a year ago. So the Indian government, if, if the kids can get to school... All they need is $130 per child. It, it, uh, it's the, it pays for their uniforms, their shoes, their, their uh, uh, backpack, all their school supplies. So here's what's really cool. is uh, Once they're in, the Indian government has a provision in their, in their government that once the st student's in, they will pay for the student all the way through their education. So literally 130 bucks saves their life. It's pretty cool. So I've got pictures of the kids we sponsored last year. Like, they're, like I said, I'll put it on Facebook, et cetera. Um, and they're just beaming with their shoes. They got a picture of their shoes and they're all in their little school uniforms. It's pretty wild. And I uh, just thought, how cool is that? So if you can afford 130 bucks and you want to uh, save a life, man, it's worth it. So you can do that, guys, at, at either freedomministries.org and just hit donate. Um, or you can go to inspire100, inspire100.org, if you want to do monthly or whatever. But uh, we're going to do that every year. That's, that's like legit stuff to me. Isn't that cool? So let me just see what he wrote. Yeah, each of these kids receive their own school uniform, their shoes, backpack, 
full of school supplies. Our partners worked with their families to fill out the necessary enrollment forms, then worked with the children after school to help them navigate a whole new world. Um, the schools in India will be opening again on Monday, October 19th, so we have to have the money. I'm going to send uh, our, our donation um, tomorrow night after the live stream that we... And Tim's just going to be on briefly, and we'll do our normal live stream after that. But it's so cool. He said, uh, so last year, um, 862 kids were sent. And wouldn't it, be send, wouldn't it be fun to send even more children this year? Imagine the hope we could provide our families in the time that they're desperate for some good news. I've got good news on that front, too. Well, starting next week, I would be remiss if I didn't give you one more opportunity to rescue another child from the brick factory. I'll be sending funds to our partners on Monday. Would you please consider joining us one more time in changing the child's future? Like last year, a gift of $130 will provide a slave with all the money they need to go to school for the rest of their life. Isn't that cool? So thank you guys for doing that. That stuff moves me to my core. Amen. And you know what's really cool is if we could teach them what we're teaching here, they could all get out of it, even though it seems impossible. And so um, I'm going to talk about the sword a little bit again tonight. And uh, um, the sword, I think most of us probably grew up, um, ooh, another, another thing that just reminded me. So I'm really excited about this, this guy, Dr. Dan Rogers. Um, I think he's, he's the best I've ever seen on biblical imagery. He's a PhD um, meaning like all these images, like a sword, what, what does it mean all through, throughout the Bible? And so he's trying to get uh, approval from Grace Communion to use a video, or we're going to show his video that he did about all the biblical imagery, like what are the mountains? Why does Jesus walk on the sea? A lot of things I've shared with you. I'm like, I love this guy. It's 100% on in my opinion. And so um, we're going to watch that, and then he's going to get on like a Wednesday or a Sunday and do a Q&A with you guys. Because I think it'll, if you guys are interested in the Bible you cannot read it without understanding the allegory, the symbolism, the imagery. Well, you can, which is why we're in the mess we're in. Um, because it gets messy. It doesn't even make sense. So for most of you guys, what was the sword? What were you taught that the sword of the Spirit was? The Word of God, you know, they, you know Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Um, the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. So most of us were probably taught the sword of the Spirit is the Bible. Is that what you guys have been taught? Now let me ask you a question. So here's Paul. Uh, most people think Paul wrote, wrote that in ref, roughly 60 to 65 AD, somewhere in there. So it would be like this. Let's say uh, um, uh, if I'm writing to um, James and Rhonda, if I'm, if I'm talking to you right now, it's like, hey, James and Rhonda, I want you to do this. Do you think I'd be talking to you now? or talking to you about something that's going to happen 300 to 350 years from now? It's a trick question. <laughs> it's not really. But so if we even, see, we, we've lost our mind when we read the Bible because of how we've been taught to read it, right? So Paul's writing a letter to the Ephesians going, hey, put on the full armor of God. If it's the Bible, it has, it's not canonized or written for another 300, 350 years. Do you think he's talking about a book? I don't think he's talking about a book if we even use our brain, right? Now, I'm getting flack like crazy on that. But I'm like, does that not, does only a stupid Iowa kid understand that? Like, you guys should be able to understand this. Like, if I'm writing a letter to you, share, hey, you guys should really do this. But I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about generations from now, 300 years from now. You're like, what, what, what kind of mushrooms has Mike used? Like, what, what's he doing, right? And so 
swords mean things all throughout the scriptures. So as, as I was sharing last week, as, as I was, what really started me down this journey was um, I was laying in bed and I'm like, the sword is, looks like a man. That's what I was really getting in my, in my spirit. I'm like, huh. You know, like the shorter, if I stand like this with a crown on top, I kind of look like a sword, right? A shorter handle and the longer blade and then the fancy top on top. And then like immediately I was prompted to go, go look at the Hebrew letter Zion, which is the seventh letter in Hebrew. And so I pulled up, sure enough, they, see all, all the Hebrew letters have pictures that represent them because that's how they could communicate to an illiterate people. Like these pictures mean things, right? So the seventh letter, Zion, the picture of it is a sword, literally. It's really fascinating. And so, um, and then, uh, so I'm, I'm digging around in Hebrew going, this is fascinating. And so we'll go into a little bit of the Hebrew letter, Zion, and uh, the Hebrew word, Sherev, Hasherev, but Sherev, it's the, the sword all through scriptures. It means the same thing. You'll always see, you'll always see two, two things attached to the sword. You'll see entering into God's rest, Seventh letter is Zion. Seventh letter, seven means what? Rest, right? It means rest. It means completion. It means teleos. It means the end. It's, it's uh, everything's complete. There's nothing lacking in you. And uh, isn't it interesting that it's a picture of a sword? So it's always a rest, and it's always turning back to your original identity. Now, um, once you start to get that, you'll see every, every time there's a sword in Scripture, you'll see those concepts. You'll see rest, and you'll see your true identity, of who you really are. So, everybody with me so far? So, am I doing okay without, without slides? Okay, so, um, and then uh, all of you guys online as well, if you want to go, um, Francois does a great job, like I said, in the Mirror Bible, talking about the sword where it literally is like the prodigal son returning back to his true identity. So, go look up his commentary on Revelations 2.16. He says this, the, the sword always in Scripture points back to mankind's original identity. Now, what was our original identity? Our original identity, we were just singing that last song, A Child of God, and I'm going, if we could just catch um, the implications of being a child of God. It's full on, guys. It's the whole thing. Yeah, a child of God means I'm birthed from God. So in, in Bible school, our bishop would always say this. He goes, goats give birth to goats. Gods give birth to gods, Elohims. Isn't that interesting? And he's like, cows give birth to cows. He goes, you're, that's why, I, that was really kind of a, our, our start. And even though there's, there's zero grace in the whole thing, um, they got that part. They got that part that we're divine. We were birthed from above. Like all these, so in Genesis 3.24 where it talks about, you know, we, we see the narrative of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. But really, if you go read it in Hebrew and you really break down the words versus just what we think it's said in English, it's very fascinating. It's like from the beginning, you, we were pushed out, like birthed out of God, uh, a left off attached to divinity from the start. And um, our journey so that we can only experience life is the cherubs, cherubims. Yad Mem makes it plural, so cherubim. And the cherubs, the sword. There's only one different letter in each of those. So here's how you get back. And it, it points to our heart and mind. It's really fascinating. So how you're going to experience life is your heart and mind. It's within. It's, and uh, our original identity was you've always been attached to Adonai, a left off. The two wooden sticks, you and I, have always, from the foundation of the world, been attached to God. Isn't that interesting? So, 
Anyway, so he says the Hebrew word in Genesis 3, 24 is a primitive root. It always means to turn back. In Luke 15, the prodigal son returns to himself. Plato is, can we talk about Plato? I think we can. Um, you'll see, uh, you'll see um, in uh, Dr. Dan Rogers when he talks about it, he talks about the, some of the Greek influence and, and uh, um, I don't want to give it away. It's pretty good. So it's really good. Some of the Greek influence, even Tartarus. You guys know what Tartarus was? It's translated hell in the King James, but that's where you send your enemies you don't like. And so they used, they, it's really interesting, you, you, you see Greek literature in uh, the New Testament. Isn't that wild? So we, but we can't talk about Plato. No, the Bible does. Your book does. So Plato is quoted by Ackerman, the Christian element in Plato, his book called The Christian Element in Plato. It's thinking of redemption as coming to oneself. So redeem, re, re always, like return, redeem, re, what does re mean? The prefix re. It means do it again. It means we were always deemed worthy. We were always deemed holy. We were always deemed glorious. We were always sons. Redeem, redemption means do it again. Everybody with me? So all those words you'll see, it's just reaffirming what's always been true if you look at it that way. So anyway, in Genesis 3, 24, these are just my notes. We were told that from the beginning, God dwelled in the garden. Now we're told later in scripture, all this imagery, this biblical imagery, what is the garden or the inner chamber? It's your heart. Isn't it? He goes, the garden, the earth, the soil is your heart. The, inner, the enclosed chamber, the secret place of the Most High. So the path of life is through the cherubs, our divine mind, and the fiery sword, the cherev. Um, fire is always symbolic. Well, not always, but it's, it's symbolic of the, the Holy Spirit often, right? Fire. And so it's this fiery sword that turns within itself. And so the sword is literally your true identity. So if we look at that, it really just means the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of your original identity within that's what it's saying in Genesis 3. Which is the Holy Spirit convicting us to turn within and live out of our original identity. Cool? Now, um, so, just, just a little recap on uh, the Hebrew letter, the seventh Hebrew letter, and then we'll, we'll talk about the, the Hebrew word again. But all of this, all of this, guys, means something to me. It's, uh, it's my, one of my favorite, let me find it real quick, one of my favorite all-time sayings about um, the spirit, about praying, by our identity, about uh, what all this is talking about, this, this ability in the inner room, what your sword really means, about how we can take the abundance of heavens and experience it on earth here below. So it says this, most people are totally unaware of the creative power of imagination within. Um, I thought that was awesome that Paul Young on the, the call the other night, he goes, God speaks to us through our emotions and imagination. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Hello. Um, Yes, like exactly. How else is he going to communicate with you, right? So most people are totally unaware of the creative power of imagination within and bow before the dictates of facts, <clears throat> life happening, this situation happens or this, is, this impossible situation is in front of me. And they accept life on what they perceive with their senses, meaning I see what's happening. Here's the facts. Like when people, that's why a lot of times when we pray, we're like, we don't want to know all the facts. We just want to know what you want. Like what's the end product that you want? Because the facts really don't matter. And, and we'll, we'll, see that as, uh, we'll see that sword and this idea of rest way back in, in Numbers when the Israelites were trying to get into the, the promised land. So the natural man is trapped by reason and reality. <clears throat> that's your flesh. That's the seven senses. That's the, um, or the five physical senses and living out of your flesh, living out of here. 
but he's designed us to live from within, the kingdom's within. So it's everything we do up here should be teaching you who you are and how to operate in it, in my opinion. Um, otherwise, uh, uh, <laughs> I, heard, I heard Joe Dispenza talking about that. He goes, if we're not changing lives, and it's, otherwise it's just dinner conversation. I'm like, yes, exactly. Like that, theology to me, if we're not gonna do it, and actually, like, it's dinner conversation. I'm like, yeah, you can win Jeopardy with that. You can get a, you can get a Bible degree. Great. What are you going to do with it? So it's kind of like, what? Do you, nice. How's that working out? So, so I love this. The spiritual man creates his own reality. When you discover the creative power within yourself, do you not know that you're the temple? Here's Paul. Do you not know you're the temple? Do you not know that the omnipotence of God dwells in you? Like everything God is, everything God has, all the ability, all the power, whatever is in you. That's, that's a wild concept if we can ever get that. So he goes, do you not know that you're the temple of God? And then he says, know ye not that Christ is in you? I think we've just, in Christianity, we've just blown over that for so long that we don't even think about what it means. So that's why I shared it the other day. I was like, the same God that created everything that that holds everything together is one with the person sitting in your chair, you. So when you look in the mirror, you go, that's God. Isn't that wild? It's wild, but that's what it says. That's what it says. It says, have this mind which was also in Christ. He considered it not robbery. Robbery means you take something that's not yours. So here's what he's saying. Have this mind which is also in Christ. He considered it not robbery to be equal with God. So he goes, have that mind. That interesting? Woo! You should see the heat I get for that. <laughs> so it's not robbery. That's what he says. Have this mind, which is also in Christ. And then he says, but don't be a jerk about it. Don't use it to rule over people. You use it to serve people. Right? If you go read it in context, it's really good. So, <clears throat> all right. So when you discover the creative power within yourself, I love this, you will boldly assert the supremacy of your imagination, what's in you, Christ in you, and put everything that you don't like about your life into subjection to it. That's prayer. That's the sword. That's divinity. That's understanding your original identity and it's praying from that original identity. Everybody good so far? All right. So now let's, let's talk about this. So the Hebrew letter, the seventh letter, now this is kind of interesting. The sixth letter is Vav. Now if we look at the first creation narrative, what happened on the sixth day? Man. So six, you'll always see, is the number of man. You'll see it's our effort, it's our flesh, it's all these different things, which isn't bad. We're, we're divine. But uh, um, we don't see a lot happening on the sixth day. Jesus, all the miracles, all the narratives, what day did they happen on? The seventh day, which that really ticked them off too. It's like mowing your lawn on Sunday. You're not supposed to do this, guys. You're not following the rules. That's what all the religious guys are like. You healed this guy on the Sabbath. Why didn't you do it on the sixth? Because he's showing you, you can't do it in human effort. You're designed to live out of the spirit, the seven. Amen? So, does that follow, right? And then he rips him a little bit. And he's like, hey, every one of you, if, you, if your donkey fell in a hole on the Sabbath, you'd sneak it out because it's worth money to you. Right? That's what he talks about. And he goes, Is, aren't, aren't people worth much more? Of course, I'm going to dig them out of the pit on the seventh. But seven, the Hebrew letter for, so six letters of Vav, it's just a, it's a nail, it's a connector, it's a, it's a picture of man standing there. Seven, <clears throat> the picture is of a sword. It's made out of a vav, the sixth letter, with a crown on top. Remember that? I was showing you that? And so here's what's pretty cool about that. 
uh, it, the Hebrew letter Zion is literally made with a vav with a crown on top. So I just wrote, if you understand the symbolism here of what that picture is, who wears crowns? Royalty. Are we not a royal priesthood? I've, I'm trying to make you a kingdom of kings and priests is what he says. Kings are royal. They're royalty. Um, and then priests get to interact with God. Like the high priest could go face to face with God for themselves as well as for other people. Now, it's better than that because you're not face to face with God. You're literally infused where you can't tell where God starts and you, and you start. That's the perusia. That's the nearness. Oh, can I share something with you real quick? This will help you. A friend asked me this. It made me think of this today. Um, so she, she said, hey, all these pastors around here are, are preaching about the end times. How, how many times have I preached about the end times? Zero. Why? Because it's not ending. <laughs> the Yankees might lose, but it won't be the end. Close to the end. But, but it's not quite the end. And so here's what I wrote to her. She's like, can you, can you give me anything on the end times? I thought this would be good for you guys too. I go, it comes from a really bad interpretation from Greek to Latin when the, when the original scriptures were translated from Greek to Latin. The Western church has totally missed the meaning of this. We're scaring people to death. If they could only read, it talks about the end of an age, not the end of the world. Apostle Paul tells us, uh, Apostle Paul says this. You gotta remember how Hebrews think. Everything they saw was symbolic to them to how their interaction with God is. And so to them, the temple is where heaven met man, the spiritual met physical. Where does God meet the earth? And to them, it was the temple system, right? Jesus and Paul tell us like, you're right, it is the temple system. But guess what the amazing revelation is? Who is the temple? You. So he goes, all those pictures of the high priest being able to go face to face with God promise that whatever you do in there, he answers your prayer. No questions asked. Amen? That's how it's taught. So whatever you do in there, no questions asked. Isn't that good news? So when, when, when Paul says, know ye not, you're the temple, he's going, he's talking about you. And then, and then he says this in Corinthians. Paul says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, what happens? Anybody know? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, how many things have become new? All. All things have become new. So where's the new heaven and new earth? You're looking at it. <laughs> you are it. You're the new heaven and you're the new earth. You sing the new song. You, you, uh, you have the new beginning. And all this means something in the Hebrew letters. It's pretty cool. So there's nothing to wait for. There's nothing to wait for. So I just wrote, um, all things have already been made new. But because we're still looking for the end of the world, we're missing the whole thing. You are the new heaven, the new earth. The Jews believed heaven and earth met in the temple. But Jesus and Paul tell us we are the temple. All those stories are written about you. <clears throat> They've messed up this meaning and thought Jesus was coming back for how many years now? 2,000 years. And I said, they'll make excuses why he hasn't come back another 2,000 years from now. Enjoy life. There's nothing but life ahead of you. He's not destroying his creation that he creates and loves. The mirror Bible correctly interprets all this beauty. Amen? There's nothing to worry about. So turn it off. If you got some guy spitting and moaning and saying the end's going to come, I, I got one advice. In fact, here's my standing order. I, I was talking to Ryan about this. I will bet any pastor $100,000 
Because they're going, this is the end times. The Bible clearly says the word of God. And I'm like, <laughs> like spitting up hairballs. Like, like, what is happening? I will bet you, pastor, I'll give you a hundred year spread. I'll put it in paper. Pick any, any hundred years where he's going to come. And I'll go all in. Well, a hundred thousand from your estate or my estate, my kids get it. See if they'll do it. I said, if there's ever time to go all in, go all in on that because nothing's, not, nothing's coming to an end, guys. Amen? All there is is life and life more abundantly. Did we not read this part? So who's going to destroy this stuff if it's ever destroyed? Us knuckleheads, right? He's given us dominion. And so if we, if we want to mess with it, but I, I, it's not ending. Isn't that good news? Wake up in the morning and go, the sun's up, yep. David's on the throne, amen. Not ending, Right? So anyway, does that help anybody? It's good news. Honestly, there's nothing good news. And so if you want to know what the coming is, it's uh, go read Francois. He just republished the book called Divine Embrace. He's got a whole chapter on the coming, which is the Greek word perusia. It just means nearness, where you're so close that you can't even... Now, we've, we've interpreted it as coming, and so that's where it's kind of funny. It's like, he's coming again. He came again in Scripture, like, how many times? So you've got to ask yourself, which one was the second coming? I can't tell because he, he comes back a bunch of times already in their scriptures. So which is his second? I don't know. He says he appeared to them, appeared to this, and appeared to 500 and honky-dory, right? But we got to figure out which one's the second. So, oh, good Lord. Life, life and life more abundantly. So anyway, so sixth is the letter of, is the letter of man, seventh the letter of rest. It's, it's us, a, a person with a crown on top. And Vav, it's really interesting because Vav is like, a, if you go read it in, in the, the spiritual meaning in Hebrew, it literally means a divine connector that can take the resources from above and the, to the resources on earth. Now, when God says, when, when Paul says in the scriptures, he says, I have already blessed you with every blessing in heavenly places, what's he talking about? He's talking about your inheritance is spiritual. You, you, can, figure, you can receive it at any time you want, Amen. But you have to learn how to receive it spiritually. And that's what I'm trying to teach you guys. Is uh, This is changeable. The earth is changeable. Um, it's not going away. It's going to be here for my kids, your kids, your kids. I'm, I'm in on the $100,000 bet. Any of you pastors that, that you got the guts to do it. Double or nothing. I get all your stuff. <laughs> so anyway, we'll see how much guts they truly have. So anyway... So it's a vav with a crown on top. You are the kingly connector of heaven and earth. You have, you have the ability, and quantum physics that I've been sharing you is showing you this, that if you simply engage your heart and mind correctly, where they're coherent, they talk about, you take your eyes off all the physical things, what you continue to focus on will appear physically in your life. Isn't that cool? That's cool. That's actually Hebrew. It says you are the connector of heaven and earth. This has always been your true identity. You are the royal vav, the royal sons and daughters, a royal priesthood with access to your inheritance at any time. Now, the Hebrew word for sword is terev. And like I've been sharing with you, it's cherub, the cherubim, is our, the two halves of our brain, the two cherubs, the two angelic figures up here. <clears throat> um, uh, karab, actually, karab, it's because it's kaf, resh, bet. Resh bet, resh is just a man's head, bet's you and I, the tabernacle. So resh bet is you and I. We're the, we're the container of God. Amen? So that first letter really means something a lot. So in this case, the sword, it's chet, and it's the eighth letter. 
Now, what's interesting is the sixth letter is, a, is just a vav. It's a straight nail or a connector. The seventh letter, which is our completion, our rest, completeness in Christ, is a vav with a crown. You're royal, is what he's trying to say. You're kingly. You write the rules. Amen? That's why we see all these references in Scripture where it says, it's the Father's great pleasure to give you a prayer meeting. No. <laughs> It'd be nice in the prayer meeting if they understood. He says it's the Father's great pleasure, gives him great joy to give you his inheritance. And he goes, I've given you the kingdom, which literally is the Greek word basilia. He's given you his royal rule and reign. So if God says something is so, how is it, is it going to be so? Amen, but you don't need to wait for him because you're one, you're nearness. You're, you're, you can't tell where you start and he ends. So people are like, I'm waiting on God. Stop. Do it now. <laughs> Decide what you want. That's what he's trying to say. He's twiddling his thumbs going, whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. No, I'm waiting on you. You're too late. I've already given it to you. <laughs> you, you have me. You have everything, everything you could ever need. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I've given you everything that pertains to life, physical life, and godliness, spiritual life. What else is left out? Nothing. So we cannot say in prayer, like, he's not answering. No, he's answering. He, he, it's, he can't. He has to do what you do. Does that make sense? Whatever you're focused on internally, he gives us that nonstop. Amen? So it's probably important to change what we focus on, isn't it? All right. Anyway, so seventh letter is a, a, a vav with a crown. Now, chet, the inner chamber, this, 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 the first letter in the word sword is really interesting. But the picture, the old picture is a ladder, which was significant that what it was is like Jacob's ladder. You could, you could ascend and descend from the physical to the spiritual, and it really meant that you could ascend beyond any physical limitation. So if there's anything going on in your physical life, you could get beyond it because you have an inner chamber, a garden within, that you can plant whatever you want there. Isn't that cool? Now, the modern picture is kind of cool. It combines the sixth and seventh letters. So it, can, it can combines vav with zayin with a little yoke attaching the two. I'll show you online when we can do it, but it's you, the natural man, is yoked together with the kingly man. Now, the eighth day, when we see people get off the ark, how many people got off the ark? Eight. So eight, what do you think eight represents? If seven is completion, you know they don't talk about the ninth day. On the ninth day of creation, they don't do that. Because all these numbers mean something to them. Six, seven, eight. So eight means live out of this true identity of the sword, of your original identity. So eight, literally, it says, when Jesus says, hey, take my yoke upon you, what he's trying to say, even in Hebrew, he goes, live for the rest of your life. You were complete in me. You're, you're a kingly man. You're a crowned man. You have the ability to take all the resources in the spiritual and live in them in the physical. And the eighth day, Live like that for the rest of your life. There's not the ninth day, there's not the tenth day, there's not a... He goes, live like this. And so the eighth letter is Chet. It means new beginnings formed from the previous two letters of Vav and Zayin, which they're attached with the little yoke. Isn't that cool? It means live attached to God. Live with this revelation of who your true identity is, which is the sword. And so then I, just, I already shared this with you, but Paul talks about um, uh, you and the Father are one. You're connected. You're yoked together. Christ is in you. And like Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, how, how many things have become new? Everything. So there's nothing to wait for. You are the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? Good? 
Sound good? All right, let me just finish up with one story here. So we're gonna, in Hebrews, we're gonna see this, this picture of the rest and uh, uh, original identity way back in Hebrews and then Numbers. So Hebrews 4, 8, if you wanna go through that, Hebrews 4, the whole thing, they're talking about, um, well, I'll just read it to you. For if Joshua had given them rest, so we see this story in the Old Testament where <clears throat> um, how long did they wander around in the wilderness? 40 years. How long did they have to walk around in the wilderness? Zero. Never. Could have gone in any time. What he's trying to say here is you've already given everything that you're desperately praying for, you can have right now. Like there's no time. You don't have to wait. And so he's, he's, in Hebrews, he's saying this. If Joshua had given them rest, meaning if, that, if this wasn't an allegory, a story, but this was a real thing, he would not afterward have spoken of another day because scriptures talk about there's another day. Now day in scripture... Anytime you see day, anytime you see that it says it's dawning or things like that, just realize it's revelation. It's not a literal day. It's like, if that was true back then, he wouldn't have talked about another revelation, is what he's saying here. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? So when you see day, just realize, oh, I can see. I used to be in the dark, but now I can see, okay? Because people are trying to figure out the day, missing it completely again. That day, no, it's called revelation. It's whenever you get this. All right? So... So make today the day is what it says, doesn't it? Don't wait anymore. Make today the day because hope deferred sucks is what it says. Right? Doesn't it? <laughs> In my Iowa English. He says, <laughs> he, doesn't, he says a little more eloquently. He says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. In other words, it sucks if you don't have what you want. Doesn't it? So everybody can understand that, can't you? Yeah. You can, add, you can even add some adjectives in there. It'll make more sense to you if you grew up on the farm. So, but they never did that on your farm, right, Rhonda? No, us either. I just heard that they did. Yeah. <laughs> Until you hear the farmer or the little farmer's wife get hurt, then that's, that's always good. Like, woo, yeah. Haven't heard those words since the locker room. Anyway, a little Christian woman all of a sudden spitting fire. It's funny. So, there, if he was talking about that day, that's not what he's talking about, is what he says. Verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest. So we see this word rest, this concept of rest. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. <clears throat> for who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, verse 11. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter into that rest. Otherwise, I'll read it in King's English. It says, Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. <clears throat> disobedience there, if you go look it up, we think like, are you being obedient to God? That's not what it means. It says this, is you're not persuaded and you don't believe. You just go look it up. It just says, so here's what he's trying to say. If you don't realize you already have everything, you're going to wander around for as long as you want don't be like them, as so he says. Therefore, be diligent to enter into the rest. The rest is the kingly man, the seventh man, the, the cherub, the sword. Understand who you are, is what he's saying. So let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Don't be like these guys, lest anyone fall according to the same example of being unpersuaded in unbelief of who they are. For the word of God. So we see this word of God again. So for the word of God. So here's what we see. The word of God we see is the sword. Right? So we see these two concepts again. We see rest and we see the sword right here. And he says, For the word of God 
is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged. So what he's trying to say is when you get your true identity, when you turn to your original identity, you can rest from trying to create things. Slaves work for things. Stop is what he's trying to say, right? Stop, cease from your own efforts. Cease from your own efforts. Enter into rest is what he's trying to say. And when you get that, it says, it's, if you can imagine how powerful a sword is, a physical sword, this is way better. It's way sharper and more powerful than any physical sword. So he's using these concepts. Now, if we go back to Numbers, where he's actually talking about the Israelites wandering around, let me read this to you. So Numbers 13, 33. If you go through 13, they're talking about the, the whole thing here of them cruising around, walking around. And they, so, if you guys remember the story, um, God promised them, hey, enter into the land flowing with milk and honey, right? Now, again, if we understand Scripture, the symbolism of it, the land, the earth, the garden is always what? It's inside. It's our heart, right? So flowing, doesn't that sound like some water or something flowing versus rigid commands? It's the Spirit. It's what he's trying to say. You, you can create within the Spirit. So he says, um, I've given you your inheritance. You can enter into the land anytime you want. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And then we all know the story that uh, they sent in spies to go spy out the land, right? So remember what he's talking about here is he's don't be like them, like how they, how they did things. And what did they do? When they entered into the land, what did they see? Giants, right? So let me read it to you. And there they saw giants, the son of, sons of Anak, which, came, which come of the giants, were descendants of the giants. And we were in our own sight, what? Grasshoppers. How close to the earth is a grasshopper? Eats leaves and cruise around on the dirt, right? What are they supposed to be feeding on? Milk, honey, the good stuff, amen? So he goes, don't be like them. They had an inheritance that was already given to them, but when they looked at the inheritance, it was good news, sounded really good, like, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? So when you talk to somebody right now and go, you can receive anything you want right now, anything that pertains to life and godliness, sounds awesome, but I see all these impossibilities. Those impossibilities are symbolic of what in the Old Testament? The giants. The giant, literally, if you go look it up, it's Nephal. Plural is Nephilim. Now, you, you talk about myth, what sounds more like myth, if you didn't understand Scripture? There were these angelic creatures that saw these babes on the earth here and like, ooh, I'm going to go get a hold of that. And they had children, and the children are half God and half man. Does that, <laughs> does that sound like myth? All myths is like that, isn't it? They're half creature, half God, half man. I'm like, tell me this isn't myth, guys, right? You, so let me get this right. These, these half angelic, half godly things came and impregnated women of earth, and now there's half gods and half men, and there's no family except for Noah, so I got to flood the whole thing? If that doesn't sound like myth to you, then I don't know what sounds like, but anyway, um, you got a lot of faith to believe that that's real. A lot. He's not talking about that. So nafal, nafal means to lie down or to be cast down, right? So here's what he's saying. They saw cast down in their minds. They saw giants. They saw, they saw themselves cast down in their minds, the sons of Anak, which came from giants. So anything that we birth is called a son, a daughter. It's we birth it, right? 
and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So they see themselves as grasshoppers. So because we saw themselves that way, they saw, them, they saw us that way. Then if you go to the next verse, or next chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 2, and now there's an uproar. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Everybody's ticked off. Verse 3, here's what they say. Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? Now here's what, if we, if we go look at fall and we go look at sword, here's what it literally says. I've given you inheritance. It's everything you could ever want. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's easy. It's free. It's like five-star restaurant anytime you want, right? You can have all the abundance you want. You can have all the health you want. You can have everything. And he says, don't be like them. They entered not because they saw themselves not worthy. They saw physical obstacles in their way that they couldn't overcome. That's what the, no. And says, why has the Lord brought us into this land? Our land's always the heart, the, the, to fall. The word fall, guess what is? Nephal, Nephilim. So he goes, why has the Lord brought us into this land to be cast down by the Cherav, the sword? Cherav is Chet Resh Bet. It literally means this. What you do within, guys, it's unlimited possibilities, and it takes whatever you do in that garden, whatever you do in that hidden chamber, and makes it real to you. It takes what you're doing in the spiritual and makes it physical to who? So did God bring them out into to barrenness? No, they were given an inheritance. Why were they living in barrenness? Because their fallen mind and the creates from within the Cherav. Isn't that interesting when you read it? When you actually read it in Hebrew? So I just wrote this to you guys. Unbelief is seeing yourself as grasshoppers, mere men versus your true identity, you are not limited by the physical realm. They saw giants in the land. They saw, li- they saw cast down things in their mind. The truth about you guys is you're the most creative being in the world. You guys all accept that? You have everything. You're one with him. And what he's trying to say is don't be like them where they didn't, they didn't enter in because of unbelief. They weren't persuaded of who they were. They believed more in what they saw with their physical eyes than what they did within. That's the whole story if you go read it. Isn't that interesting? Now, so how, do we, so how do we make light of all this? So the charav, the charav, the inner chamber within, I, I shared with you this before, but I really want you to get this. Does it really mean, like I was, my favorite prayer verse, he says, when you get the creative ability within, that your imagination is the most creative thing in the entire world. It holds and sustains everything together. Isn't that interesting? Because you're one with him. And that's why I love the early church. They're like, you know what? You can, you can, put, us in, you can put us in a prison, throw out the key, but you cannot keep us from imagining we'll be out on the street soon. That's awesome, isn't it? Shouldn't we be teaching this stuff? I think we should be teaching this stuff. But no, it's the word of God. Ah, spare me. I'm bored, right? So, the eighth letter, that Cherev, how we're supposed to live. Six days, man, when you realize your true identity, you're completely in, you're in Christ. The seventh day, you can rest from your own efforts, meaning... This is why I love the, the physical sciences and I, I love how Dispenza put this. He goes, if you're trying to receive stuff, whether it's success in business, whether it's your marriage, whether it's health, by the entire physical realm, he goes, it's matter trying to push matter. It's going to take a long time. But when you're within, there's no time. Amen? It's spirit. There's no time. So he goes, now you're in quantum where time and space collapse and you can receive it now. Hallelujah, man. Like, these guys get this stuff, man. 
We should be teaching this in Bible school, right? Uh, so here's the eighth letter, that charav. Here's, how, here's this inner chamber that we have. It goes, I, I read this to you before, but it blew my mind when I started looking at all this stuff, like I said. <clears throat> it represents infinite possibility. Wild. It's undifferentiated substance and energy equals mc squared. Energy equals mass and mass equals energy. You're unlimited in here is what he's trying to say. How many things are possible if you're simply persuaded? All. That's what he's saying in Hebrews. Don't be like them. They weren't persuaded, so they wandered around wondering why God wasn't answering their prayer where the whole time he had already answered it and given it to them. They could have entered in and received the inheritance at any time. He goes, don't be like them. Isn't that interesting? Enter in now. Hurry. That's what he's saying. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So the chet indicates the ability of the human to rise and go beyond the physical, to rise and go beyond nature. The ancient form looks like a letter, a ladder, I'm sorry, indicating the ability to go above and beyond limitations. So here's what he's saying. You are the sword. You have the cherub. The way to life is the karab, the two cherubim, our brain, and the cherub, our heart, which literally means I can choose any possibility. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. That's where I was sharing with some, some, some of these people. I was like, man, we got people prospering without a job. <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? I think it's cool. Because I was, I was communicating with this person and like, you know, we, because of COVID, we don't have all this or this. I go, those are all excuses. Can you choose a different possibility? Like my friend received $177,000 without working. That good? That's a good possibility, isn't it? You want that possibility? You can add a zero on it. That's what's stupid. It's infinite possibilities. All things are possible to him who's persuaded. Now, isn't that wild? So I'm trying to persuade you who you are. I'm not telling you to go shabba-dabba-dabba until you believe. That's silly. Once you know who you are, you realize you are the most creative thing in the world. You can create on your own. Amen? You can decide anything you want right now. Isn't that wild? That's, that's what I love. So he's going, the chet, the charav, the sword in you is undifferentiated substance and energy. If you don't like the situation, choose to see a different situation within. That's the karab. I can imagine something, right? The charav, the motion, the feeling, etc., is where we get all the gratitude, all the joy. Like if you really knew that whatever you did within, you were gonna receive. You're gonna collapse that time and space and receive that answer to prayer. You're pretty pumped. Now, the key is, maintain that attitude no matter what it looks like. The giants in the land, we're going physical limitations, right? Yeah, th this sounds really good, Mike. This is really good news. We can receive anything we want, but you don't know my situation. That is a nafal. That is a giant, amen? It's irrelevant. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, am I working on it too? Yes, because it's mind-bending. It's going, you mean everything? Oh, I got some ideas, God. <laughs> He's like, I've been waiting, right? Let's go create something fun, amen? That sound good? Does that help you? Yes. So this week, just maintain it. Just, just stay on it. And we're, we're going to screw up every day. I've, I've shared with you all the time. But once you get that this is the omnipotence of God, it's Christ in you. You're one with Christ. He didn't give you a lesser glory, a junior varsity glory, a, a, a non-gift of the spirit glory. He gave you his glory, his kavot, his weightiness. You're the weightiest thing in the world that bends and shapes all reality. Amen? Isn't that cool? So doesn't prayer get fun then? All right, you can get to your feet. Did you guys do okay without slides? Yeah. I was trying to do it creative so you could kind of figure it out. So anyways, that help? Yes. Hey, please tune in uh, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, or, or give. Man, I, I want to I take care of some kids. That'd be fun.
Like, what else could we do, right? I'll even give up Taco Bell for a day. I'm just joking. And here's what's cool. You don't have to. You can have it all. That's what you understand. It's like, it's not sacrificial giving where you, I have to give up something. No, it's, it's giving, giving. <laughs> if we already have everything, then when we give, all creation responds to us. What comes back? Giving, gived. Multiplied. It's really a fascinating thing, isn't it? All creation responds to you. So you can, it's really, oh, it's so fun once you start getting this. Like, oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. Amen. So, Father, we just love you. We praise you. We magnify you. Just let people get this. There's nothing to wait for. There's nothing to accomplish. They don't have to add anything to it. It's literally the omnipotence of God within bringing it to pass. If they can simply be persuaded that they've already been given everything and they can just simply choose it and it'll show up in their life, that's rest. That's grace. That's what else could we add to that? And there's nothing to add, literally nothing to add, but simply inherit what the Father's already given us out of his love. Amen? So we call it done in Jesus' name. So if you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week right here.